When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. All right, good to have you tuning in tonight. The only game in the National Hockey League this evening. 2-2 Senators and Blue Jackets. They're three and a half minutes into the third period. The Oilers get Athanasiu, Ennis, and Green. Gagne and draft picks go away in these trades. We'll continue talking about it. Get the full details on 630Ched.com. All the other significant trades in the NHL today as well. Oilers-Ducks tomorrow, 6 o'clock face-off show. Game at 8 here on 630Ched. Uh, I do expect the three new guys to be in the lineup tomorrow. Uh, I got a text here before I get to Robert on the phone line. If Ken Holland is such a great general manager, why is Detroit in such bad shape? Didn't he come from there? He did come from there, and uh, that's a fair comment. Uh, Ken Holland was the GM for a long time in Detroit. For most of that time, the Red Wings were very good or even excellent. The last few years haven't been as good. Uh, you know, you can read, I know when Holland was hired, we had a couple of Detroit media guys on uh, saying, you know, he gave contracts that were, were too long and too expensive to players who aren't that good, that he should have tried to rebuild earlier earlier, and he, and he hung on to players for too long instead of getting assets for them. You know, all fair. I think in sports, you got to look at a body of work. Every player, every coach, every GM has good times and bad times. I, I think you'd still say Holland has a pretty impressive resume. We'll see how he does here in Edmonton. Like I said earlier, we can already find some moves that haven't been winners, and we can already find some that have been winners. Um, I also think a factor in Detroit is because they were so good for so long, I mean, how how long was it? It was like 20 years or something. They didn't have a pick in the top 10. Probably catches up with you after a while uh, as well. It's been painful for Oilers fans. And, and I know I still hear from some people like, ah, this, this won't last. It's all going to blow up in their faces. I don't know. But for Holland, it's year one with the Oilers. Um, you know, he gets to manage the players and, and the cap and everything a little differently than he would have having been in Detroit for, for, uh, for a long time. I, so far, I think Holland has done above average at the very least as GM of the Oilers we'll see how he keeps going from here uh, definitely some potential in the moves he made today Robert on line one go ahead hey how you doing good so first off I want to say uh, really enjoy your show and I especially enjoy your show in the evenings with Rob after the games it's really first class um, and I wanted to say two things the first is for those who second guess and in hindsight try to criticize GMs and their decision, it's real easy when you don't have the responsibility of the job. So come on, give the guys a break. And the second thing is, you were struggling with your analogy a little earlier, maybe an hour ago, so I wanted to give you a fresh one. Sure. So if we think of the middle of the decade of darkness where the front office kind of resembled the decision-making process, say, of Cheech and Chong. Now, if these moves work out, 
we can say our front office has more the attraction and the execution of J-Lo and Shakira. <laughs> I like that a lot, Robert. By the way, can I ask you a question? Sure. The, the Oilers, uh, how many points did they get for winning last night's game? The same number as they got back in October. <laughs> See, I remember you, Robert. Absolutely. And all those points we banked, man, they're paying off now, aren't they? Thanks, buddy. Okay, you have a good night. That is Robert, 780-496-0063. Robert called in a few times early in the season when we were getting some it's only seven or eight games calls, this won't last, hot start doesn't mean anything, and Robert always called in and said, how much is a win in October worth, Reed? And I would say two. And he'd say, how much is a win in February or March worth, Reed? And I would say two. And now we're in February. So that's why I wanted to ask Robert that question. My goodness, we have Elvis. Hi, Elvis. How are you doing, Reed? Quite well. Fantastic. I'm, uh, I'm super pleased with the moves that Mr. Holland did today. Uh, I, don't think, I, don't, I don't think he overdid it, and I don't think he underdid it. I think uh, a Detroit is probably the, one of the biggest things that he can do. And I understand he's going to be wearing number 28. Is that true? Uh, Athena, see you. Elvis, we're losing you. Are you there? Elvis, do we have you? Do I have you there, bud? Yeah, we got you again now. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, anyway, I was just going to say really quickly, will he be wearing number 28? Did I hear that correctly? Athena, see you, is wearing 28. Green's wearing 27. I, I don't know if I've seen Ennis yet. Oh, Okay. I just, I just think this is a solid pickup read. I think this is, I think, I, I think like, uh, I don't think he mortgaged the future too much. He didn't give up uh, any prospects. He didn't give up uh, a first round pick. Yes, he gave away a couple of seconds and a, and a fifth. Uh, but you know what? I'm, I'm super, super stoked about this. I was, I was happy the way he was able to uh, move uh, Gagne. I love Gagne. I, I think he's amazing. Uh, he's, he's also said he wants to retire here. I listened to that on your guys' show. Uh, he'd like to retire in Edmonton if he could, but he's a free agent at the end of the year. I'm just really stoked, and I think this is just enough. I think McDavid has someone to play with now, Reed. Well, and here's the thing. there There is McDavid has more than one option they can try. Like I said earlier, if, if Athanasiu doesn't work or has a slump, you try Ennis or you put Neil back in there. It's not all like, hey, it better be this guy because we don't have a plan B. At least there's a plan B for the coaching staff if things don't work out. Absolutely. And it's nice to look. It's, it's nice to be able to look at your roster and, and people just don't get a spot because you don't have anybody else to put there. I love that we have depth. All right. Thanks, Elvis. Have a great night, Reed. That's Elvis at 780-496-0063. That's the same number as the text line. Uh, TS says... Reed, I think Holland is a magician, has made smart moves for role players and built a team with some depth, which we aren't used to seeing in oil country. Best part is he didn't fall for the magic beans trick that used to always get Peter Shirelli. Yakishev. Yakishev says, I would be very surprised if Green isn't on the first power play unit. When a GM makes a trade, he gives that player every opportunity to succeed. Sometimes they are even given too many opportunities. And after all, if the player looks good, the general manager gets a gold star too. Yeah, lots of gold stars to be handed out, Yakishev. You always get one for your eloquent 
and sometimes amusing texts. I, Yakushev's usually a little funnier than that. Hopefully he's got a chuckle for me before the end of the show. We'll call a quick timeout. It's 7.13. I do just want to shift gears to football in the next segment because we got a big-name guest, CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi, when we get back. Deadline day, a little bit later on on Inside Sports, we do have CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi on the line. Randy, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Yeah, great. Thank you. Nice to be on the show with you. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I know this is a, a busy time of year for you, and, and I always get the sense of a time of the year that, that you enjoy when you when you hit the road for your cross-country tour. You know, I really do. I, I think there are just so many great insights to be to be harvested when you get a chance just to talk to the fans. You know, of course, we're not in the season and nobody's in a big in a big rush. Uh, sharing some ideas about uh, about uh, rule changes and playoff format changes, and you know what? It's just nice to be talking football in the middle of February. Well, I'm glad you're the playoff format. You and I have discussed this before in hypotheticals. There is something now that you're putting out there a little bit about keeping the divisions. If you finish first in your division the regular season, you get a bye, and then the remaining teams would be ranked three through six, and the number one seed would eventually pick their opponent for what I guess would be called the league semifinal. Uh, at, at this point, uh, that's how I'm summarizing it. Is is uh, is that accurate? Tell us a little bit about the genesis of this and why you think it's interesting. Yeah, well, it it uh, you've described it very well, so you're a good student. Uh, you know, I think the perhaps if I was to say the little polishing as that I've gotten over the uh, the first four road trip stops have been. I don't think people. I think generally speaking, it's it's more than fifty percent of the fans are supportive. In some cases, in Montreal, example, it was 70% of the fans like the idea. I'm not sure they like this decision feature. And so it's possible that as we ultimately take this to our Board of Governors for their consideration, it's possible that that feature uh, could simply be based on uh, based on standing. So the first place team overall would play the team with, uh, with the, the, the surviving team from the semifinals with the lowest record and then the other division champion would play the the other team. So this is again the benefit of having these conversations with fans. You learn something. I don't think our coaches are excited about this decision day, you know, because the implied insult of the team that you choose is that you think you're going to beat them. And uh, I'm not sure the coaches are excited about pouring gasoline and lighting a fire uh, a week before you know one of the biggest games of the year. Okay. Well, you and I have discussed this in the past. I remember you were in studio two or three years ago, and I, and you know where I sit. I'm a fan of just getting rid of the divisions and having one through nine. So I have to look at this, Randy, and say, why not just go that further step? Why not just say the top two seeds are the teams with the two best records rather than having the divisions? You, you seem to still be a fan of having East-West standings. Is that, is that true? Well, yeah, so the, read the, t- the answer is I've talked to your family and none of us want to admit that you were right. 
we feel like that's a problem for us. So we're, nice. we're, we're just, sorry. Yeah, no, look, I still think there is a real feeling and, a, and a, a, an affinity, generally speaking, across the country. There is an affinity for our east-west roots. And, Reed, that's not to say that that won't change at some point. And, look, I, I, I respect your position, and it's well thought out. Uh, but right now, I can tell you, I think more than anything else, I'm hearing people do like the East-West uh, feature. And it particularly uh, when we're looking at Halifax as our potential 10th team, now you would have two balanced five-team divisions, you know, one in the East and one in the West. And um, so I don't think anyone, I don't think the general consensus today, Reed, is that we should give up on that. But your position is, again, it's, it's fair, it's well thought out, but I, I'm not sure we're going to go there at, uh, at this stage. If there is a format change, could it be for 2020 or wait, we have to wait till 2021 if, if the league decides to make a change? Yeah, you know, again, uh, you know, my job is to, is to you know, facilitate these ideas that uh, this one surfaced out of our innovation committee, which is super cool because the entire idea is, you know, to, to look at how we re-energize our game and uh, different ways of doing things. I think, you know, we'll go to the governors on the 17th of March. Well, this will be an agenda item. I think it, at the, this stage, you know, because it's now we've been to March and, you know, potentially even early April before you'd ratify anything, and we still want to go back and talk to the players as well about this. The Probably a 21 thing would be my guess, but... You know, depending on uh, how the governors feel, because ultimately this is their decision to make, my job is to bring them as much information as I can. They'll ask me, you know, kind of what I'm hearing, and I, I'll be able to share that in all 10 CFL cities. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll share the kind of feedback I've gotten, which is helpful. Randy Ambrosi joining us on Inside Sports, the commissioner of the Canadian Football League. He's uh, in Edmonton today to meet with some fans as he continues his cross uh, cross-country tour. Randy, I, I got to ask you, uh, uh, you know, free agency has come and gone. There are, are obviously still some big-name players who don't have contracts. Former Eskimo Darrell Walker, one of them. We have seen, you know, a few players uh, like uh, like Dennis, like Green, go to the XFL. Um, you know, I just got to get your perspective on, on the contracts, on the potential competition from the XFL at this point. Yeah, you know what? Uh, so, Reed, this isn't going to surprise you. Uh, I've taken the view that our number one priority is to stay focused on our own plan and build the biggest, strongest CFL that we can that we can create. Uh, but that would be it would be disingenuous to say to you that we're not looking at the XFL. Look, they're they're doing a few interesting things. Uh, some of their you know some of their innovations on scoring. Those are things that are worth looking at. You know, at this early juncture, I don't think they've had a material effect on our talent. So, you know, that's probably one of the things that the fans were most concerned with. So I'd say for now, probably not an overwhelming concern there. Uh, look, they're, you know, they had a good kickoff weekend. Uh, there's been lots of chatter, not, not, uh, not mine, but uh, lots of chatter that, you know, they're struggling with quarterback play. Uh, and, and so I think we got to keep watching them. Uh, you know, at Reed, you'll remember a year ago, a year ago at this time, we were talking about the alliance uh, and how it would affect us. And, you know, we, we know how that ended. So I, I just think we, we watch, we're respectful. Uh, we look at some of the innovations that they've put in place and, uh, and be good observers. But, but for now, I don't think it's had a, a material effect on us.
Okay. And, and look, I ask you this every time we talk, so I might as well keep asking you. Any update on the 10th team in Halifax? Yeah, so Reed, it's actually quite positive. We're having, uh, as you probably know, I'm sure you do, uh, Halifax Regional Council uh, approved a funding model for the team in December, so that was really exciting. Uh, you know, we, we're, the conversations with the Premier, Premier McNeil, who's a big supporter, are continuing. Right now, the work is being done on looking at the potential stadium sites because the one thing that came with the city's funding uh, approval was they, they did not approve the original site. Uh, so they're looking at alternatives. That's the number one priority right now. I met with the ownership group from Schooner Sports and Entertainment. They are absolutely committed to seeing this thing cross the finish line. So I'd say right now, there's lots of reasons to feel good about it. You know, it's it's like um, it's like you're trying to score a touchdown late in the game. You're down by five. We're getting lots of first downs, Reed. But you know that uh, all the first downs that make you feel good when you're a fan doesn't mean much unless you get in the end zone, right? So it's only really going to matter if we can ultimately get uh, get this completed. But there are lots of good reasons to feel good about it. Okay. Well, Randy, thanks for fitting us in here. Uh, I know it's busy for you. I know you're having a blast and enjoy uh, meeting with the fans tonight and, and hearing what they have to say about the league. Thanks for checking in. Yeah, have a great day and all the best to you. Right on. That is Randy Ambrosi, Commissioner of the CFL. So you heard him say it. The fans he are, is talking to, and it seems like with the coaches as well, not not supporters of having the playoff format where the number one seed would pick its semifinal opponent, but the format itself is getting some support where the two division winners would get buys and then the next four best teams would be ranked three through six. You wouldn't worry so much about the crossover or the divisions. I will take that as a compromise, I suppose, until my grand plan of not having divisions in the CFL comes into being. Ian Herbers, U of A Golden Bears hockey coach, they were upset on the weekend. He's next. Two minutes left in the third. It's 3-3 Ottawa and Columbus. That's the only NHL game today. The Oilers play Anaheim tomorrow, 6 o'clock face-off show here on 6.30, Chad. The game will start at 8. The Oilers get Athanasiu from Detroit for a couple of draft picks and Sam Gagne, Tyler Ennis from Ottawa for a fifth-round pick, Mike Green from Detroit for Brodziak and a conditional draft pick. Uh, on the farm, Joel Pearson traded to Anaheim for an ECHL goaltender named Angus Redmond. He'll stay in the ECHL and a conditional seventh-rounder. Benson and Lagason assigned to Bakersfield. Lagason called right back up. He just had to be on the AHL roster at deadline time, so he's eligible to play in the AHL later this season. Chris Russell goes on long-term injured reserve. That's a summary of the Oilers' day, and you can get more on 630ched.com, globalnews.ca. Well, I uh, big thanks to our next guest to coming on the show. Uh, you have heard him often. Um, we have not been. Uh, we have not done a end-of-season interview this early ever, quite frankly. It was a shocking loss for the U of A Golden Bears hockey team on the weekend to UBC as Golden Bears head coach Ian Herbers is on the line. Ian, thank you very much for coming on tonight. Um, man, it's tough. How are you doing? Uh, good, Reed. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like you said, it's been it's early 
early for us, but a uh, good wake-up call. Uh, you know, how, how, how so? How, how was the team, how did the team need it to be woken up or the program needed to be woken up? Well, we, we lost a few games this year the same way where we didn't get dirty enough, greasy enough in the tough areas. I thought we worked hard, we played well. Uh, we were the better team, but we didn't sacrifice around their blue paint and didn't get through in those battles and, and find ways, will ways to get that puck into the net. Uh, obviously, their goaltender stood on his head and played amazing, the best to see them all year. Uh, they played exactly how we thought they were going to play, uh, clog everything up, try and slow us down, um, and on and on. So. It was the game plan we were expecting. We just didn't do that final little bit. Uh, we played very well first game. The second game, we got some contributions from our third, fourth line that drove hard to the net and, and played in those tough areas and scored goals. Uh, in the third game, 10 seconds in, right off the opening faceoff, we created 2 on 0 off a faceoff, and we don't bury it and then have probably, I think, three breakaways in that first period and only end up scoring on one of them. Um, and then a little bit of frustration took over in the second period, and that's the end of the series. The total shots in the series were 128-56 for the Golden Bears. You lost the first game 3-2 in overtime, one game 2-6-1 on Saturday, and then, like you mentioned, the 2-1 the loss last night. I, I know you always respect your opponents, Ian, and we talked last week, and, and you outlined all the strengths that UBC had. But But having said that, was there a point over the weekend where... A little bit of concern really set in. I mean, obviously, you, you did lose game one. So, was there a, did you ever have a, a, an uh oh moment on the bench? Well, every game that we play in this league, it, it's tough. Canada, the Canada West teams are very good coaching in this league, very good players on other programs. Um, we've had goalies a number of times step up and stand on their head it seems like they always have their career nights against us maybe some nights we're making them look good or we're shooting into them uh, and as I, see, as I said not enough traffic but uh, I still believe if we pulled our goalie with two minutes left in the third period in the third game uh, had the guys out the plays we wanted uh, we ended up post uh, double post on one of them uh, and didn't get the puck in the net to the dying second. I still thought we were going to tie it up and win it in overtime. Well, yeah, and I, I mean, I was uh, obviously watching the Oilers game last night, but keeping a close eye on, on uh, the box score online, and I, I just kept seeing your shots go go up and up, and yeah, that, that, that was pretty tough. Um, yeah, the part that hurt us was our second period. Uh, we came out a little bit frustrated because we had such a good first period, had a number of opportunities, uh, and didn't bury those chances. And like I said, their goalie made some miraculous saves as well. Um, but when you're in a playoff game, you've got to find ways to get those in the net. How how did you feel in-game your, your players were handling his uh, Toth's goaltending and some of the frustration of not being able to score? Um it wasn't an issue really the first game second game we got them pulled and the uh, third game we were very good in the first i thought just in the second period um uh we started showing a little bit of frustration we only generated five shots which is unusual for our team in a period um and, you know maybe we're trying to force some things get a little bit too cute again um and a few different other things that you know made it an even period and they end up getting, the, you know, the one kind of bad angle goal to give them the lead. But then after that, we we started taking over the game again and just couldn't get in the back of the net. 
What do you? What did you say your, to your team either after last night's game or if you met today? Um, we haven't met today. We just talked after the game quickly. Very, you know, pleased with the work that we did all season long. As I said, this team was very hard working on the ice and practices and, and preparation. Uh, a very young team. I think with the red shirts, we have 14 new recruits on the team. Um, so we came a long way. Some guys, their games grew a tremendous amount. Um, but as I said, it's a good wake-up call. Maybe getting a little complacent with the program and just realizing how tough it is to get to nationals and, and winning the nationals. I think uh, maybe a couple times it's been a little bit easier for us in the program. And we got to make sure we're coming out and doing everything that we need to to get those wins. Uh, I was a key turning point. I think was we were up one nothing in the first period, and we drew a power play uh, in the first period. And I thought our power play wasn't very good, which at times this season it it has been that way. Um, And then we had two in the third period as well that we didn't bury. Yeah, Ian, I I was at the game on Saturday, and look, hockey's a. A rough sport. It can get chippy. I'm not saying that uh, all of your players are angels. They did what they had to do at times. But, you know, UBC was uh, clearly engaging in some non-hockey activities in the third period of Game 2 with the score out of hand. How do you feel your players handled some of that? Um, You know, the frustration level gets up. And, um, you know, obviously it could have been better at times can't take retaliatory penalties we can't uh, be foolish and especially in those kind of situations and we need to stay out of the box the key was our power play was very good on saturday uh, and we made them pay in those opportunities uh, our power play opportunities so which was a good sign um, i think it was our first five on three power play we've had all season uh, i think we've had like 20 seconds the entire season and we're the least Penalized, we kill off the least amount of penalties during the season, but somehow the penalties always seem to be even or, or within one or two. So uh, our guys, uh, you know, battle through on a Saturday. And some games are like that. And I thought Sunday's game was good. The officiating was very good on Sunday. Uh, and it was good 200-foot game both ways. Yeah. Uh, well, Ian, you know, again, thanks a lot for coming on. Uh, it's... Uh it's a shocker. I, I know it's tough. I, I guess, if anything, it's yet another testament to the high standards of the programs. Like, on social media last night, and, and just people talking to me at work today who know I you know, went to the U of A and, and often talk about the program, I, I feel like more people were talking about this than if you would have won a national championship, which, which maybe isn't fair, but it's, uh, it's another testament to the, to the pride and the expectations of the Golden Bears program. Yeah, no, it gives us a chance here to get an earlier start on next season and make sure now the summertime year when guys don't really feel like working out or getting that workout in or doing that extra, they should be remembering this moment right now. Uh, That's right from the coaching staff, training staff, to the players. Uh, We need to to find ways to get those wins. And the same thing's happened to us at Nationals before you run into a hot goalie, and it's just a one game, not a best-of-three series. So uh, we've got to be able to overcome those challenges no will, will you go to nationals are there coaches meetings or anything you have to do there no 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 coaches meetings uh, i believe we're trying to organize one for the summertime um 
So, as you know, going to Halifax, taking the team to Halifax is a big expense, a huge burden on Stan, raising extra funds to to bring our extra players and medical staff and training staff and everything else. So it's it's always a good chunk of money that we have to earn to to support ourselves to go to these national tournaments, especially when to Halifax, which is, for us, it's almost like playing trains and automobiles because we've got to fly to Toronto and then Halifax and then busing here and there and stuff like that. So, Yeah. Well, Ian, thanks for checking in. Of course, uh, we'll keep talking about your program and talking to uh, to you and your players in the uh, days, weeks, and years to come. And uh, you've always been here uh, through the good times, so thanks for coming on tonight with a bit of a tough time. Well, my pleasure, Reed. Always uh, good talking to you. That is Ian Herbers, the head coach of the U of A Golden Bears hockey team. Again, the total shots in their three-game series against UBC. Bears had 128, UBC had 56 and uh, UBC wins the best of three, two games to one. UBC will go to Nationals. They'll play Saskatchewan for the Canada West title this coming weekend. That'll be used to help determine uh, seeding, but UBC does lock up a spot in National. Uh, it's lock up a spot in Nationals. All right, 780-496-0063 is how you can uh, reach us a little more on the Oilers' trade deadline when we get back. Some highlights from last night. Connor McDavid back in action. Three points, a 4-2 win over the Los Angeles Kings. Um, you know, I, sometimes I hate to say this. The score is the score. Either the puck goes in or not, it doesn't. But th- that could have been a 6-7-2 or seven two game. The Oilers had tons of chances, two-on-ones. Perhaps the least defensively responsible game I've seen the Los Angeles Kings play in, I don't know, eight years? Just throwing a random number out there. Uh, Todd McClellan's going to have his work cut out for him. Um, they they have a pretty good line. Uh, I mean, the Kopitar line was pretty much their only offensive threat last night. They're they're well out of the playoffs, so also the engagement level isn't there. And the Oilers, 
really took it to them in terms of territory and scoring chances. And the Oilers will play Anaheim three times between now and the end of the season. Another team that is way out of it. So another team hopefully the Oilers can jump on. Now they still play Vegas three times between now and the end of the season. A much tougher opponent and the Oilers are trying to track them down for top spot in the division. The the Oilers very well positioned to get into the playoffs. Uh, I mean look if they get 22 more points they're up to 95. So if they can go just over 500 in these uh, final 20 games they, they will be in. Maybe they won't get home ice. Maybe they won't have a great first round matchup. But they're very well possessed to get in. And the, the, again, the acquisitions today on paper look pretty good. The game's not played on paper. Well, unless you play a cards and dice game, <laughs> that it's literally played on paper. Uh, but these look good on paper. If the Oilers get healthy, stay healthy, I think they're in there with anybody, especially in the Pacific Division. Vegas looks pretty good. Vegas probably a little better than the Oilers. I think you'd favor Vegas in a seven-game series against Edmonton right now. We'll see how the three games between the two teams shake down once we get there. First one's going to be on Wednesday. Then there are a couple of Rogers place in March. But, yeah, the Oilers are right there. I've been saying it all year long. I think the Edmonton Oilers are a good team. Do I think they are a great team? No, I don't. But maybe they're going to be able to change my mind over the final six weeks or so of the regular season. This texture says, at this point, why are all-star caliber defensemen still half-playing the pass when faced with a McDavid two-on-one? Dear defensemen, avoid the bad end of a highlight reel goal and attempt to play Connor one-on-one. That is a text to 7804960063. I appreciate that text. I will say this, though, to that texture. I am not going to forward it to defensemen around the league. A, I don't have their numbers. And B, I ain't helping them. <laughs> I do appreciate that, though. 7804960063 is how you can both call us and text us. Uh, so the Oilers get Athanasio from Detroit. He is fast. Not great defensively, but still some potential there at the age of 25. He did score 30 goals last season. He is uh, minus 45 for the Wings this uh, year, if you still follow that stat. Ken Daniels does play-by-play for the Wings. You're getting speed to burn, and I thought, boy, you you put him with Connor McDavid. I would think Andreas Athanasius, straight-ahead speed, not with the puck necessarily, but straight-ahead speed could be perhaps the fastest in the National Hockey League. So I think in the time that Connor McDavid's been with Edmonton, there's nobody better than Andreas Athanasius who can certainly keep up with him. So you're getting a guy defensively, yeah, does he have his warts to his game? 100%. And take that minus 45, that green jacket, or whatever he was going to wear this season and put it aside because on the team that he struggled with. And, it, you know, when you look at Detroit, and, and probably since December or so, when you look at Andreas Athanasiu's numbers, maybe in that time when I looked at it a while back, and he'd been hurt for a little bit of time. So his minus 25 in that time was right up there with Dylan Larkin and with Mike Green, who you got, and with Valtteri Filpa, who you got. So maybe take that with a grain of salt because he was just on a, on a, on a, on a team that struggled and couldn't keep the puck out of the net as good as Jonathan Bernier's been lately. So you had that minus piling up for Andreas Athanasiu. He wasn't alone. But defense has never been a strong suit to his game. I wouldn't really worry about that. You got him with Connor McDavid. I think it's a home run for 
Edmonton for sure. And what the Red Wings get in two doubles in second rounders for double A, I think it's a great deal for Detroit too. That's what they're building for the future. Ken Daniels, play-by-play place of uh, the Red Wings, joined us on our trade deadline coverage earlier today on 6.30. Chad, we also spoke to defenseman Mike Green, who had this to say about the Oilers. There's a lot of excitement, I feel like, around, around Edmonton, and there has been for a while. Um, you know, I know how the league works, and it's you know year to year it can change, and it feels like there's a lot of excitement right now um, in oil country, and um, I think everybody can um, attest to that. So, um, like I said, I'm I'm extremely excited for this opportunity, and um, can't wait to get started. I mean, there, there's it's always tough when you get traded. There's you know there's families, there's moving to new places, meeting new guys. But the one thing that's got to be pretty cool for you is you're moving from a team near the bottom or the, at the bottom of the standings to a team that's right now battling for not only a playoff spot for a division championship. So that right there alone must get the excitement going in you again because you have been on good teams, you've played in big games before. It's just been a couple of years now. Yeah, no, absolutely, and it, it kind of gets the juices flowing sort of um, instantly, so, um, yeah, I, there's, there's um, like I said, a lot of excitement. I think that, um, you know, I know how these things go, you know, in Detroit, we're struggling, we're struggling, and um, then you're in a position where, you know, the trade deadline's come up, and you know they're going to be making moves. Um, and then you kind of got to filter through, you know, what your options are. Uh, a lot of times, it's not what you think it's going to be. And these things present itself. And like I said, when it when when I did get um, asked to make a decision, it was it was an, an absolute. There was no question. I wasn't coming Mike. to oil country. All right, that is Mike Green joined us earlier today. Rob Brown and I were able to uh, talk to him. Ken Holland. General manager of the Edmonton Oilers, after acquiring Green last night, says his experience is going to help. You know, my experience is through the years that down the stretch, into the playoffs, uh, you know, experience is 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 uh, very very important. Um, you know, Mike had a wonderful career in in uh, in Washington. Uh, been a bit of a tough go in Detroit. You know, we went into rebuild mode there a few years ago. So uh, I talked to him early tonight. I know he's really excited about getting back into a playoff race and uh, uh, playing with the guys that we've got on the team. So uh, hopefully he can give us a little uh, little shot in the arm. And Andreas Athanasiu, here's Ken Holland talking about that player. You know, he's a talented player. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, again, he's having a tough year. Um, you know, I think that... Uh, you know he's a talented player, and we're hoping uh, that with uh, you know what we've got here in Edmonton, the coaching staff, that we can get the best out of him. Well, obviously he's got he's got great speed. Uh, he's got um, you know obviously got high end skill, um, and he's a talented player. And he's you know I think he's 25 years of age. So we're hoping that. You know, he's not 21 and 22, he's 25 years of age, and we're hoping that uh, his best years are ahead of him. All right, get everything you need on 630Ched.com and globalnews.ca on the uh, new Oilers, Anathit, Ennis. Oh, geez, I've been doing pretty good with it today. Athens, CU, Ennis, and Green, Sam Gagne goes to Detroit as part of these deals. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer this evening. Dave Campbell is the producer of Inside Sports. Brendan Escott, Morley Scott, 
Bob Stoffer, Jack Michaels, all helping out with our trade deadline coverage today. Thanks to all of them. Oilers, Ducks tomorrow, 6 o'clock face-off show game at 8 right here on 6.30 Chet. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great Monday evening. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.